podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and I've assumed hosting duties for this evening, something that I'm quite looking forward to. And on my left-hand side, I am joined by Craig Fowler, the Prowler. <laughs> Hello. And Joel Sked. Hello. Uh, I couldn't find out. Joel Sked's in his bed, but he's not. He's here with us. <laughs> where you are, a uh, real Prowler. <laughs> Why? Okay, I don't know. It's just you've, you've kind of got that look about you. Nevertheless, <laughs> uh, tonight's episode is a bit of it's a... It's that laugh. It's that, that, that high-pitched yeah. laugh. Uh, tonight's episode is a bit of a grab bag. I don't think we've got any uh, real themes. It's just it's a sort of... We've, uh, well, we've got a theme. We've got a theme. We've got a theme later on. Oh. Um, the, the, the index. The, the, main, the main theme is we've nicked stuff from the TV show that we're not using again this, uh, this, right. this season. Right, okay, of course, because the Boyata Index was, uh, I think we I think somebody put their foot through it once we stopped filming. I think somebody literally like snapped it in two. Is that not you? No, I just kicked it off the easel. Okay, okay so it's not a grab bag episode. That there's a d- definitive theme well, to this. A bit of grab bag to start with. Fucking hell, you could <laughs> You could have told me this before we, we started recording. Nevertheless, um, we're going to talk about three teams. Joel and Craig are going to pick a team from the top flight. I'll be looking at a lower league team, probably Stenhouse Muir, maybe a bit of Edinburgh City. But nevertheless, we'll start with yourself, Joel, because you are going to be talking about Aberdeen, the Dandy Dons, and all is not well at Pataudry. No, it's, it's a strange one because I came away from the opening game this season relatively impressed with what I saw from Aberdeen. With all the new, a lot of the new players contributing, so you had Greg Lee set up a goal, Ryan Hedges scored, uh, John Gallagher looked um, really dynamic down the wing, and Funso Audio kind of con- helped control midfield. At the time, there were positive signs, they had just humped that Georgian team in Europe League, so they progressed to the third qualifying round. However, I want to kind of go back to them, uh, walking up to and change my mind because they won 3 2 against a Hearts team who played well for 10 minutes. And as we come to see, this Hearts team is not very good under Craig Levine. So the real Aberdeen, I think, have been shown ever since then. They slumped out of Europe to Rijeka in pretty, not embarrassing fashion, but really meek fashion. They then, uh, they've got beat by St Mirren. 1-0 and they drew 0-0 with Kamarnock so they've, they've, not, they've not scored uh, since since the Hearts game there should be big concerns under Derek McInnes Have, Has Derek McInnes reached an actual conclusion because I mean, what I've seen and it's only online and I know there's online people the loudest people are often heard before the more sensible people but has Derek McInnes reached his natural conclusion at Aberdeen? The Aberdeen board would certainly not agree with that because no, they're under that, the new deal in the summer. That's that's the issue is that there's a lot of talk about Craig Levine and how much power he has at Tynecastle. And there was a talk about him, it's bomb-proof, I think the word's been used. Bulletproof. Bulletproof. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. You can't kill him. He's a T-1000. Fair enough. He'll just melt and then come back. Or is that the... No, that's a T-1000. There's that, there's that, that's a famous scene in uh, Terminator 2 where they put it in liquid nitrogen yes. and then shatter it and they think, no bad. 
But then it sort of all just comes uh, all the the, the 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 ice melts and they all. I prefer when that happened in Hot Shots Part Dua when uh, Saddam Hussein or the kind of Saddam Hussein ripoff merged with his dog after both of them had same thing had happened to them. I've not seen that. I'm sure it's hilarious. So <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out. Like I say, I've been watching a lot of Badil Syndrome, so my, <laughs> my my threshold for comedy at the moment is uh, is fairly high. But no, so so him and Levine, you can see similarities between the two of them. Yes, well, but like Levine has, there's been a lot of said about him, whereas McInnes, not, uh, not so much in terms of his standing at the club, he is... Why do you think that is? Why do you think Craig Levine's under more scrutiny than Derek McInnes? Because Craig Levine's also the director of football. So, and the fact that he, it's that, that joke that Craig Levine, well, joke that Craig Levine, director of football, needs to sack Craig Levine, the manager. Derek McInnes also has a lot of cred in the bank. So yeah, he's also not got the kind of bad press that Levine had kind of fallen on from the Scotland job. Yeah, so and Levine has a kind of harsher reputation in the mainstream media for the style of football he plays, even though Derek McInnes' style think, of football has not been that great think, for the last couple of years. You think it's that interesting what you say the four six zero? When you say that formation, you automatically think yeah, of, yeah. of Craig Levine, and that's just negative do a do a football yeah, yeah. something that we're, we've been seeing for the last like four or five months at Tynecastle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other than no, other than that that spell at the start of last season, uh, don't want to digress the hearts too much. Other than that spell at the start of last season, that was uh, that was a blip. The rest of it was... But that's the biggest... To bring it back to Aberdeen, that's kind of the biggest criticism that fans have had the last year or so, is that the football, while they've done well last season, still finished fourth. Not yeah. too bad, but they were still beaten to third by Kelly, which has been great. And the football was really poor to watch for fans. Like, McInnes has never really had much of a reputation. He's, he's, he's had the reputation of being tactical, but not necessarily maybe the most free-flowing football, even though he's had some exciting players. But now they seem to lack the players that are exciting and the football is just as functional. But the start of this season, it's not even bringing goals as well. And that, that's that's an issue for them because if the style of football is bad and you're not even getting the excitement of going, yay, once, yeah, a, once yeah. or twice a game, it's, you can, it's really bad. You're, you're right, you can put up with their football if the team are winning. But yeah. if the team aren't winning, then it's, it's a big problem. So I've uh, just read about the Kilmarnock and watched the St Mirren game and they were hopeless. They've... They don't have. This is an issue with the. It's, it's weird that the three teams that you're looking behind Rangers and Celtic, so Hearts, Aberdeen, Hibs, looking for that, uh, fighting for that third spot. N- neither of the three teams have a game plan. There's no discernible style. There's little clarity. From what I've been told, is that players are being given strange instructions or no instructions at all. Contrasting instructions in games, during games, before games, and. There's a bit of animosity within the dressing room uh, between the coaching staff and, uh, and and some players. So that's you see that's kind of fed onto onto the pitch. But the issue is, is that then we kind of going back to the comparison between Levine and McInnes. Denny McInnes has so much control at Aberdeen Football Club. So he's a manager, but he is very much in charge of recruitment as well. Obviously, he's got he's got people who work with him to bring players from mainly mainly England. But with Stuart Millwood, he is. He's in a very cushy position, especially when Aberdeen want a steady hand as they move into the new stadium, as they move into the, the, the training ground. He needs to find a style of play. So going back, I don't know how many seasons now under McInnes, you look at him and at the start of the season, he never seems to know what his start best 11 is, whereas a lot of the fans know 
they, they have an idea of what the eleven what you, should be. What do you think his eleven should be? That's that's the point. Is that this this is the first season under McInnes where you look at the team and you think I don't know what his best eleven is. There's only Joe Lewis, Sam Cosgrove, Lewis Ferguson, Craig Bryson if he's fit, and Scott McKenna as definite starters. Even Andy, somebody like Andy Considine. Shay Logan, you would say, is still probably a definite starter, even so if he, he maybe should not be anymore. That, again, so they, they, they probably needed a right back to challenge... Max Lowe. Shay Lowe, he's left back. I know. Okay. <laughs> just trying to catch you out there, <laughs> thinking the big lower league idiot has just pitched up here. And that. I, know, I know a wee bit. I know a wee bit. So Zach Viner's been brought in to challenge Shay Logan, but Zach Viner looks like more of a centre-back. Logan has disaster like the game against Rijeka uh, in I think Viner is actually a right back even though he's built like a centre back he's not good in the air he's not very good with the football either no <laughs> so then Constantine yeah he was probably but you're looking at him and like it really should be uh, Mikey Devlin um, him and McKenna could, could balance each other especially right foot left foot that was an issue against St Mirren uh, Andrew Constantine kept turning back on his left foot and it just slowed down and building from the back I just given given the players that Derek McInnes has at his disposable, what sort of style do you think we should be expecting from Aberdeen? They've got a lot of players that play wide or uh, cut in, so and they've got Ferguson and Bryson and Oi was quite uh, quite combative, so they should be playing high up the pitch, really making it difficult for opposition teams. They should be playing with a uh, high tempo, and they really need to get players close to. To Cosgrove, but so you you want that you want that you want a, you want a team who are getting the ball into midfield like Brett Bryson and or you're getting out wide and flooding the box crosses in, which has been Aberdeen's kind of style under under McInnes, but that's just it's just not been seen. There's no urgency to the game. There's no creativity at all. Creative players are not the don't flourish under McInnes so that's why the wide players are often uh, the, the the more productive of individuals but even they have have regressed and it just seems like McInnes needs to he needs to improve on the style of play because not only have Aberdeen stagnated for a bit they're beginning to regress he needs to evolve the team can he? I don't know I, I look at it and think right to use a wild comparison Atletico Madrid uh, under Simeone he's tried to evolve it a couple of times with just recruitment he's brought in but every time he's kind of revert, reverted to type and played that not stodgy but you know very disciplined very organised style I'm not sure McInnes has got it in his wheelhouse to improve it but he needs to get a settled formation and a certain he needs to give players clarity because if there's underperforming players and new players that need to assimilate they need to be given clear instructions clarity to get them back to their, uh, their form and then take it from there so he needs to, basically needs to get back to basics before then he can try and improve his style We've compared Derek McInnes to the T1000 from Terminator 2 at what point what would need to happen for him to uh, be forced out of the club will he need to be dipped in molten lava? <laughs> I think so I think so because uh, Stuart Millman I think is just uh, like, if he was dipped in lava and uh, would he just, did he just melt or did he become... No, yeah, that, 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 that finished That was the end of him. Yeah, okay. that, was, that was the end of the movie, actually. Yeah, uh, did Roy Mike came back? Unanswerable question. Unanswerable. Unanswerable question, wow. Life, life, life went on in that universe, but we didn't get to see it. it would have James Cameron said he told the story. 
and that's when they brought the T3, the rise of the machines. It was just daft because it kind of, you know, the, the whole point of Terminator is no fate but what we make. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Terminator 3, Judgment Day was always going to happen. So it just seemed uh, just seemed ridiculous. And you think if you were a Terminator or you were part of um, Skynet, you've sent back several robots into the past that hasn't worked. As Einstein once said, the definition of insanity <laughs> is doing the same thing several times and expecting the results. So Skynet, if you're listening, you need to change it up a bit. <laughs> now, we'll come down, uh, Craig, you're a big JT, we all know that, we've come to accept that, but you're going to be talking about Hibernian, yes. like how all Celtic fans talk about Rangers. <laughs> you're going to be doing the same for, for your great rivals. Now, Hibs as well, similar to Aberdeen. Paul Heckingbottom, the yeah. honeymoon period is well and truly over. It certainly is. And again, judging what I've seen from uh, the marks online, not everyone's happy. They no, are not. wanting to file divorce papers already. Yeah. My goodness. Get it even annulled. This might, is, you, uh, know, you don't even, might even need to go as far as divorce. I'm not even sure if his marriage has been consummated yet. What was the name of the guy that Britney Spears married and divorced after like a day? Kevin Federline? No, it wasn't Kevin Federline. It was, uh, it was someone else. Um, oh, Joe's Joe Google. Well, Joe's Google Google's actually talk us through what's going on at Hibernian. I'm just gonna let you go to let I like slice. It's gonna end up to my floor otherwise. Who did Britney Spears marry? Oh, she married him for a day in Las Vegas, and then Marge was an old uh, shortly afterwards. Jason Allen Alexander. That was it. Not the guy from Seinfeld. No, I, was gonna <laughs> <say>. <laughs> I wish it was. Not George Costanza. <laughs> Uh, this guy is so annoying. I'm married to Britney Spears! <laughs> he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. He doesn't have a Wikipedia wow. page. Uh, one of the actors from Badil Syndrome doesn't have his own Wikipedia page either. Nice. Dimitri Gorisatz, who played, um, I can't remember his name, the uh, David Badil's roommate in it. Okay. Nathan. Wasn't he dead, Jason? Wasn't he like her bodyguard? Bodyguard or something. I, don't know, oh, I thought it was. Just, I thought it was just a friend who went to Las Vegas and got tanked up and ended up getting married together, like that uh, terrible episode of Friends. Just by that point, Friends. Yeah, actually, once you get past series three and Friends, it really uh, the quality really dips. I think series four is fine. Cause I've been watching some of Netflix recently. Series four is when he married Emily. Yeah, I think up to that point. I think I think once he says the wrong name of the altar, that's just it done. Mm. Just don't tune in after that. I still, still that's when Monica and Chandler get together as well. That just. Monica gets more ridiculous and Chandler becomes boring. I think that's it. When, when uh, Matthew Perry gets fat, that's the yeah. sort of that's the, the barn. Because how when he was really skinny and had that goatee beard, <laughs> <laughs> what a laugh! It was when he was when he walked in uh, trying to be. Um, what, when he swaggered in with the hilarious movie, yeah, yeah that's right he's got the really serious look in his face <laughs> no it was just the tash uh, no it was, oh, it, no, it was no, the, the tash is when he was trying to uh, be Richard be Richard yeah. I thought it was when he swaggered in with a serious look in his face yeah I think you I think you were mistaken yeah. I was. I was, think I was uh, I was laughing there uh, to to cover up my mistake <laughs> regardless this is people have not tuned into this no, nobody, show nobody's listen. laughing to cover up mistakes at Easter Road Right, well, that's, be- that's a far better uh, segue than I was going to. Craig, the floor is yours. Right, the problems with Hibs seem to go right through at the team, and I've kind of broken it down here. Uh, two pages here of uh, what's Front wrong. and back. Front and back. <laughs> Our friends. <laughs> Reference. That was, that was a bit daft as well. Was that before he got married to Emily? No, that was Series 3. No, no. the front and back? Yeah, front and back. It was the end of Series 3. Yeah, Bonnie. That was um, she's she was married to Ben Stiller in real life. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Right, anyway, enough. There'll be there'll be the marks popping it, marks popping off online, uh, and we don't we don't want that. Keep them. Give us your Patreon money. Right, so we can go all the way through here. So we can we'll start a goalkeeper. So in the summer they brought in Chris Maxwell as a competition for Ofer Marciano, and I think already that kind of annoyed supporters a little bit because Maxwell said pretty much for the start he wasn't there to be a backup he was there to get the number one goalkeeping jersey as he should do well that's fair enough but then Maxwell also shared time during the Betfred Cup campaign with Marciano and regardless of whether Heckenbottom meant this or not I think it, it kind of annoyed supporters because his supporters really like Marciano for every his fan will tell you <laughs> yeah well <laughs> she is a so that's all I really know about him she's a, he's a good looking woman they I think I'm starting to tell you he's probably the best goalkeeper since Jim Layton. I think that's fair to say. That is high praise indeed. Mm-hmm. So bringing in this keeper who didn't look as good as him in the preseason to kind of be a competition, even though it doesn't sound like a big deal, but I think that was something that already got fans' backs up. And even when you have that little seed of doubt, it can grow from there. And uh, grow it has done. So we'll get to the back four now. Now, he deserves a little bit of leeway here because circumstance hasn't helped him. He inherited a back four that was solid, but very much aging. So David Grace, 32. Louis Stevenson, 31. Paul Hanlon's 29. And Darren McGregor is 34. Here's a, here's a question. You know that those players were given long-term contracts. David Gray and Darren McGregor think, were given contracts. I think both of them were with a move to them moving on, but I wonder uh, whether... Do you think um, Heckingbottom would have had a say in that? I th- yeah, I wonder whether the club were kind of pushing for that and whether he felt like he needed to keep them around this summer when... Perhaps he might have just preferred to go. All right, guys, see you later. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Guys like Lewis Stevenson, if you were a new manager coming in and you didn't fancy him, these guys have been around a long time. It'd be quite difficult to move those players yes, on. It certainly would. So he's already got. So Graham McGregor already on the downward curve. I think we could see that last season. Hanlon and Stevenson look like they are too. You could say that Lenny maybe could have done more about it at the start of last season, but Hibs were maybe weighed down a little bit by Stephen Whitaker's contract, uh, still having two years. Uh, Whitaker's still useful in the squad as a kind of utility player, but he's not been great through his Easter tenure, and he must be, I mean, I don't know for certain, but he must be one of the highest earners at the club because he came straight from Norwich. Uh, I, th- I think he is, I think he is. Um, also as well... Ryan Porteous. Ryan Porteous was that injured, so he can't really bring in... He brought in a centre-half and Adam Jackson. He maybe would have liked to bring in another one, but when you've already got Hanlon, McGregor and Porteous to come back from injury, you probably can't do that. He's also... He did bring in Tom James at right-back, who might have helped things, but Tom James got an injury against St Mirren and uh, was ruled out for several weeks. So these, these guys you've mentioned there, Chris Maxwell, Tom James... I'm getting massive football manager regen vibes <laughs> off these guys. I think Maxwell certainly deserves it. James? I think there's so. I think there's players that Craig will come on to have definitely got to more got that vibe a bit more. Tom James looks actually pretty good. He came with a decent reputation. So I'm just going by their, their names. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, I, I have no idea what these guys. They could they could walk in here and throw boiling water in your face, and I have no idea. We'll who get to rubbish names later on. Right. So centre midfield, and this is the biggest problem, and it's all heck and bottom. So he was he released Marvin Bartley and Mark Milligan in the summer. In isolation, perfectly fine news. Bartley was looking past it, although he started quite well at Livingston. And Milligan was okay, wasn't brilliant, did a job, but wasn't exactly... Fans weren't like, oh, I can't believe they released him, type stuff. He Effect, prob- effectively got rid of the Bash brothers. Yeah, he, he's, not, he's not replaced that robustness in the centre of the park. So... 
He said he was done in the transfer window earlier this window. Mental he, statement. Yes, it also proved to be bollocks, as, as I'll get on to. But he said he was done with a midfield, like what seemed to be a first choice midfield three of Josh Vela, uh, Stevie Mallon, and Scott Allen, with Vitkinta uh, Slivka as uh, kind of the, the fourth option. Now, for a team for wanting to begin for third place, that's, that's not good enough for the set of the park. It's also maybe one of the powder puff midfield threes I've ever seen. Uh, Vela, I was quite was quite kind of him when I done the scouting reports uh, because he looked somebody who was had a lot of energy about him, got about the park, maybe somebody that Hibs needed in that sense. But kind of looking at his stats and stuff and looking at him, he's not somebody who all he gets about and chases after the ball. He's not particularly physical, and he's not exactly somebody who is going to show a bit of guile uh, in the final third. So he's somebody who just really relies on his energy and not much else. That's always kind of got going for him. So he doesn't really toughen up the midfield much. Uh, Stevie Mallon, Joel, you want to, I know you were going to talk about Mallon before I took on Hibs. Honking. Absolutely <laughs> honking. But he scores all those free kicks. I've seen them on YouTube. <laughs> and if you, you look at those free kicks, a lot of them goalkeeper should have saved. He is... We've, Craig compared him to Ollie Lee last season and it's, they're very similar players in that they offer a lot with their set pieces just in terms of corners and uh, free kicks deliveries they put it into the right areas but it masks a lot of real issues playing football there was a, a moment at Ibrox early season when they got scudded 6-1 uh, Jordan Jones nutmegged Stephen Whitaker Stephen Mallon came across like that's that's what you're meant to do mm-hmm. as a defensive midfielder and he just ran out of the way he just literally got out of the way and almost like ushered him ushered him down the line and uh, Rangers scored from it I then watched the game from the weekend against St Johnston and he was he was an abomination. So there's just simple one twos at St Johnston. Johnston are the most free flowing of football teams. One twos and they were getting past Malin. His reaction is to turn round and kind of just half heartedly jog back. It's not good he's, enough. He's, he's not got the he's not got the mindset or the capacity in terms of stamina or that drive to Can you put someone alongside him? You're talking about the more functional aspect of Hibernian's midfield. Can Malin work well if he does have someone alongside him? Malin's had a lot of midfield partners now and he never looks particularly great in any of them. He, he's had weak spells. What's he like with the balling, Stevie Malin? He Is can, he good he, enough with the ball? We've talked about his set piece. He can, yeah, he can do stuff in the final third. He can pass the ball, but he just never insists himself enough in a game like Dylan McGee or, or John McGinn. His, just, you don't notice him enough. His on-the-ball kind of output or productivity does not make up for his lack of um, like uh, nice without the ball. And when you've got uh, Scott Allen in the team, you don't need Stevie Mellon because Scott Allen provides that creativity. You build the team around Scott Allen. Yeah, and then so you want you want players like Vela, someone like who can get around the pitch and then a kind of hold the midfielder. You want Mark Milligan type, Marvin Bartley type. Yep. Yes. A Ryan Fulton or a Dean Portman. So Dean Portman. that brings me on to my next point. They Fulton ha- Reed, that was it. Fulton Reed and Dean Portman. I've got those <laughs> names wrong. Beg your pardon. Sorry, any Mighty Ducks fans out there. That brings me on to my next point. They have signed a defensive midfielder. They've brought in Mecker Halberg, uh, which, like I said earlier, shows that Hickebottom was talking nonsense when he said that they were done in the transfer market. He is a defensive midfielder, so it is a need. And from what I've seen of him, I think he will improve their, their midfield play overall. He has got a jawline to rival Paul Peter. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Kind of looks like um, an Olympic rower from the eighties. Mm. Yeah. One of the Winklevoss twins that set up Facebook. He's somebody who will sit in front of the defence, protect the defence, and break up play. He's also he's a decent enough passer, ball decent enough in terms of technique. But for what I've seen of him, he's not a bastard. 
and I think Hibs still need a bastard. So while he improves him, I don't think he's quite the player that we're looking for. Uh, but Heckebottom has said that he doesn't really want that type of player at the base of midfield. He wants somebody who can this, pass the ball. This is this is where I come down to with, uh, Paul Heckebottom. He doesn't understand Scottish football. I don't want to be um, parochial about it, but he just doesn't. Biscuit, biscuits sitting there. Huh? Not used, to be fair, we're not, we aren't usually with English managers. It's usually just foreign managers. Yeah, yeah. But he so just, go ahead in this case and be parochial. <laughs> he just doesn't... It doesn't seem to grasp what's needed, uh, what's needed in, in Scottish football to succeed because it is a case of, especially for Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, that they're still not so good like Rangers and Celtic that they can get away with uh, turn up against Hamilton, like especially a game away at Hamilton, away at Motherwell, and just uh, just taking control early on and dominating game. You need to win. You need to kind of win the battle to uh, then play football. You need to earn the right. Right. And he doesn't understand that, don't he? I'm not quite finished yet, so we're on to the wings. Uh, this is part circumstance, part Heckenbottom's fault. Boyle getting injured obviously was a blow they couldn't legislate for, he'll be out for a few more months. And Glenn Middleton looks like a decent signing. But they're still left a little short because Joe Newell looks pretty pish so far. <laughs> you don't have to, you can just take out pretty there. Um, <laughs> I said he'd be a gamble when I, when I scouted him because I thought his confidence was probably low. I thought that, that's why he ended up at Hibs because he looked pretty decent in League One. And then he starts kind of fell off a cliff in the championship, but he played a lot and he played on a team that struggled and got relegated. Yeah, but no, he, did, he played a lot, but he was known as a super sub at Rotherham in League One. He looked decent in League One, though. He set both their goals oh, in the championship. playoff final. Uh, yeah, I think he started a lot in League One, but he maybe came on a lot in the championship. But you can see at Hibs that he, he, he does lack confidence because he just hides. He just goes to stand beside the fullback. He doesn't really offer himself much. He doesn't get involved in the game, and when he does, he doesn't really do an awful lot with it. He scored a good goal against Elgin, but you know, well, Elgin. Then he'd be Elgin. Hey, hey, keep it clean. Sorry, Craig. On you go. And f- to finish up front again, all on Heckenbottom. He's only got three forwards. I think I'm right in saying. Yep. Yep. Uh, but doesn't always play one up front. So already you're leaving yourself short. One of those forwards is Ollie Shaw, who's been linked. <clears throat> he's been linked with a low move away because there's a doubt that he's ready for first team level yet. At was least. there not last season they were talking about changing Ollie Shaw's position? They were moving him from centre forward out to a sort of like a, like a wide forward, so he's a bit more versatile coming in from the flanks. I don't remember that, do you? No, I'm no, sure I'm, 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 I have no cause to fib about Hibernian. If I was coming up with something about Ollie Shaw, it's because I definitely read it somewhere. Um, he's. Yeah, so he's not. No, oh, no, no, you're, you're right. Ollie Shaw hopes to come in a bit of a wide boy will help him strengthen his claim for a place in Paul Heckelman's side. Right. Oh, oh, there you go. go. I do apologise. See, you just think this lowly Bumpkins just pitched <laughs> up here. No, no, no. no. Listen, I listen to the podcast. I repeat your opinions back to you. It's like being uh, proven wrong by a kid. <laughs> Regardless of what he plays, he's. It's not a weak option for, uh, for a third. He has a, sorry, it's a weak option for your third choice centre forward. And they spent over £200,000 on Christian Deutsch. There's your rubbish name. And your region name. Deutsch. Yeah. It sort of sounds like a sort of mechanism inside a toilet. It sounds like one of the five rules of dodgeball. Yeah, but from if you're from Boston. <laughs> Deutsch! <laughs> he doesn't... He looks not too bad. He doesn't quite look up to it, but he might get better. He's opposite of what I expected. I expected him to be... Uh, a decent goal scorer if he got chances and not do much outside the box yeah. except he's looked pretty handy outside the box inside the box oh he's my god he's finished terrible so far what's his XG? 
Uh, pretty high for the. Has he scored in the league yet? No. He scored against Morton. I think he got another in the group stage, but he's, yeah, he doesn't look like. He didn't score many goals in League 2 as well, which is a bit of a concern. Because Uchi didn't score many goals in League 2, and that's translated to Scottish, yep. <laughs> Scottish Premiership. <laughs> uh, and I don't think he's a natural partner to Canberry. Uh, although, like I said, for two big guys, I think they can work together because of what he brings outside, Borson bring outside the area, but none of them are going to stretch the fences. And I think if you're playing with two up front, you need that. Heckebottom does sometimes play with two up front. So are Hibs Hibernian sort of missing a fox in the box type of sort of poacher yeah, then to so. capitalise on the good work? They could do with Jim McLaren coming back guys. for a bit of. Yeah, uh, but I, I had, had Boyle been fit, then they could have started Boyle up front. But then they've still not got anybody who's a natural right winger. All the other guys are natural on the left. Horgan, Middleton and but Neil. But going back to a point you made is that you've got Scott Allen, you build a team around them. So what, how do you play? You play Canberry ahead of Allen. Then you're gonna have to, if you're going to play two up front, then you need to move it to a back three and then have wing-backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just, I just look at Hibs, uh, just the make-up for their squad, and I can't really work out what the best... System is to suit their personnel and to get the best out of Allen. That's enough for Hibs. Right, just give us one team because. Uh... Yeah, you told me to prepare two teams and I'm, I'm, time has marched inexorably on. So I'm just going to talk about Stenhouse Muir a wee bit. So I'm sorry if we touch any of the points that came in the podcast a fortnight ago when Sean McGuigan and Tony Anderson were joined by Fraser Clark. It's a very entertaining podcast now. That show was recorded on the back of Stenhouse Muir beating Elgin City uh, 1-0. We, we, you say we, myself, Duncan Mackay, Sean McGuigan, Craig Cairns and Gary Cock had all gone to the game and Stenhouse Muir looked quite handy in it. They deserved the win. They, they played reasonably well, moved the ball through the middle of the park and kept Elgin at arm's length for the best part of the match. So, Stennis Weir played Edinburgh City at the weekend. Now, the, the two teams had met each other the same week they played Elgin in the Tunnock's uh, Wafer Cup. And Caramel Wafer. Sorry, I, I, when, I, when I was doing the Tannoy <laughs> Oakley, I called it the Tunnock's Tea Cake Cup and had, oh, to, no! had, to, had, to, had to correct myself. <laughs> what an asshole. Um, but... Both teams changed changed things around. Uh, Inverness City had rested a number of players, like guys like Blair Henderson didn't start. Scott Shepherd didn't start. Um, don't think Mark Laird started. So the guys who are more familiar members of Inverness City starting eleven weren't in the team. And Stennis Muir um, changed things a bit as well. They played some of their fringe players and they changed the formation to a three-five-two. One of the big problems this season at Stennis Muir has been the recruitment. I think we spoke about that in the lower league bonanza. Stennis Muir's failure to land any of the targets they were really in for. And so they were kind of left with a sort of hodgepodge of midfielders. Guys who are fairly astute on the ball, quite neat, tidy guys who are quite good at keeping possession. However... When they lose the ball, they don't really have the wherewithal to like reorganise themselves, get back into position. And the four four two formation badly exposed against Albion Rovers on the opening day of the season. Albion Rovers won 3-2. And Stennis Muir are probably a better side than Albion Rovers player for player. However, the, the sort of the the guts and the determination and the spirit of Albion Rovers, particularly from Gregor Fotheringham and Juliano Morena in the middle of the park, really dominated Stenhouse Muir. It was even worse against Queen's Park. To get that match finished 1-1, how on earth it took Queen's Park a 96-minute penalty for Queen's Park to to get their point, I don't know. So McMenamin figured that playing a 3-5-2 would be best because you play three midfielders in the middle of the park and, if anything, you've got an extra body in there. And that extra body was Kieran Gibbons. Gibbons, um, probably most famous for he played for Livingston. He snapped a Rangers player 
and Mark Burchill said he's not that kind of player I think because he's Scottish which is weird defence but it was an absolute stinking tackle on someone as well but yeah he's Scottish it's fine um, Gibbons is one of those players who's I think you I can't remember who it was you were talking about earlier who's just all energy and the fact that he's very fit Josh Vella Josh Vella the fact that he's very fit and runs about a lot masks for a lot of deficiencies in his uh, in his overall game so the three five two formation success against Edinburgh City in the Tarnock's Carrum away for Cup success against Elgin City away was that the tackle that's the tackle you're watching it there <laughs> slow-mo and uh Oh, he's nowhere near the ball, and yeah, that's a nasty break his ankle. ankle that yeah. one. Okay, you keep, you keep okay, No, this is sorry. This is I'm distracted. I'm distracted by this. It's a bad tackle. Um, here we go. This is, this is great audio. <laughs> Nathan Odua, look at this here. He comes in. Oh yeah! Oh wow! Yeah, it's one of those ones where he foot goes right into the ankle, and the ankle bends, bends at yeah. an angle that ankle shouldn't bend at. It's fine. He's Scottish, so good yeah. tackle. So after that match at Elgin, essentially that was the fourth point of the season, a first first league win of the season, four points. We're thinking, right, this is maybe the, the platform to go and kick on. Against they started well against Edinburgh City at the weekend. Mark McGuigan scored his first league goal of the season. Lovely, lovely goal. Great bit of interplay down the wings. Alan Cook fired the ball across the face of the goal and Mark McGuigan just timed his run perfectly to get in front of uh, Conrad Balatoni and poke it home. So But that, that's I'm going to come, this this is this is what I'm going to come to. From but from that point on, Ember really took control of the game. Stenesmere's tactics, my goodness, kick it as far kick it the direction they were facing. Centre backs were just playing it along. And at half time, Colin Menham made a change. He took off Liam Scullion, a young winger who's on loan from Hamilton Academical. They took him off and replaced him with Chris O'Neill, who's a fullback that came in from Airdrie. So you're thinking that's a sensible change. Liam Scullion's quite a diminutive player, and he was getting dominated by Robbie McIntyre. This is a guy who's a part time model, by the way, for, for Edinburgh City. Big strapping guy compared to this wee Toti guy. So you think changing the personnel, that, that's, that's correct. However, he changed the formation. He went from the 3-5-2 to a 4-4-2. And given that Edinburgh City had began to take control of the game, to take away a man from the middle of the park was just... It was suicide. And from that point, Edinburgh, they, they, had, they were playing with the, the better team already. They steamrolled Stenismuir for, for the rest of the match, w- winning 3-1. And after the match, uh, Colin Menham on Twitter saying, hold my hands up, apologise for that. I take responsibility for that one, but we'll go again and on, and that won't happen again. Hashtag. Hashtag uh, bicep emoji. Mm-hmm. Hashtag, um, that's all it was, isn't it? Bicep emoji. Yeah, it's usually him. Hashtag we go again. Bicep emoji. Aye. Maybe flame. So. That's all I mean, you win. Okay. So, I take it when it got to. If you'll just look at the, if you look at the result and when the goals came, all goals came in after like the 56 minute. So it wasn't a case of. It changed at half time. That was once the goals that was coming. That was coming. That, that, that was coming. Okay. However, that you've you've weakened. A pro- you made a you made a problem position worse by taking mm-hmm. uh, some. Kieran Gibbons, as we mentioned, he moved to the right of midfield. He had the tendency to, as a central midfielders would tend to do, come inside. It allowed the the fullback allowed McIntyre, who had already was was getting the better Liam Scullion. They were uh, doubling up on on Chris O'Neill, and the goals the goals were a shambles. The three goals, I mean, Stenismuir really aided and abetted them, so it was a bit of a shambles. However, um, the breaking news this evening is Stenismuir has signed Willie Gibson from Peterhead. Where does he fit? 
that's an interesting question. When his signing was announced, in fact, I, I read it just before I came in the building this evening. I was thinking to myself, how, how does he fit in? Because you've got another player there who probably the best, you'll be the best central midfielder in the team. A guy who's very good in the ball, tremendous at set pieces. But no one to really protect him and give him the ball. Doesn't have the legs, you know, he's, he doesn't have the legs. Um, throughout his career, he's a bit capricious, tends <clears> to fall out with people. He won't be going to Stennis Muir for, for buttons either. We were talking before we started recording, you had the conversation with Colin McMenamin for a, an article you were doing about part-time players. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he tried to sign Willie Gibson and he'd offered him a lot of money, but he chose to go to Peter Head. So presumably he's getting more money at Peter Head. I think he'll be on a favourable package. I just... Stennisweer have got money to sign the right players. I'm not sure if Willie Gibson is the right player. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on. They're playing ha- um, and an athletic at the weekend. And an athletic, of course, with a team that relegated Stennisweer in the playoffs. They're a big side. You know what you're going to get from a Peter Murphy side. It's basically two rigid banks of four and two dual target men up top. Going to be agricultural, you know. I mean, these uh, these Aaron boys, you know, they're enthusiastic farmhands. So it's all <laughs> it's all blood and guts. So it'll be interesting to see how Stenismuir do. I think the problems they need to. They've got good players in the team. Pass it through the midfield. Andy Munro, very good stopper. You saw how good he was. That, that's all I wanted to ask because you were. I think you were unsure of what to expect from Stenis Muir this season, uh, this season but seeing them in the Betfred Cup against Hearts I was pretty impressed mm. with how well organised they were yeah. how well how thing is, good right, defensively they were and they had because they were playing Hearts uh, but, but the thing is you're going to Tyne Castle you're expected it's going to be an onslaught relatives we know Hearts are good but if you're, a, if you're a sort of jobbing League 2 team going to a Premiership club away Tyne Castle is a great ground there was how many people there what, six or seven thousand people yeah. there Big, relatively for these guys, big crowd. So, and, and Hearts had the majority. Well, I think possession was about 80% Hearts. Stenisby were basically defending their six yard box. And when Andy Monroe is facing the ball and it's just pure stopping, he's very good at that. However, that's not going to happen every week. There'll be an onus in Stenhouse Muir to go on and, and take sides on. And there's times he fancies himself as real Ferdinand. He's getting into a bad habit of he'll, he'll go into a, a foot race with defenders and then try to control the ball with the outside of his right foot and bring it around away from oh, him. Oh, yeah. However, there's been times against Albion <laughs> Rovers... I was going to say, he's not on eight feet. <laughs> <laughs> against Albion Rovers, he tried to do that and fell over and it led to Albion Rovers scoring uh, their, their, their second goal of the match. And he did it against Queen's Park. He fell over and, thankfully, Graham Smith bailed him out. <laughs> Aye, there's just there's there's problems here. The team's not fantastic, and I'm kind of it's not a quality league. The Cove Rangers are, are probably going to win the division. Edinburgh City, despite the fact they got bollocked off Cove in the first game of the season, they've won their last three matches. Yeah, there's another point behind them. Yeah, they, they, they're a good side. Albion Rovers are, are a decent shout. You know, it'll be interesting to see what Willie Gibson brings. I don't think he'll be the silver bullet that Stennis Muir need to solve their their problems. Now, you've heard that, not that you've heard enough of my voice already, but we're going to do something. If you've watched A View from the Terrace, and Christ knows why you haven't, it's the best, been the best thing in the goddamn box since um, Bedil Syndrome. <laughs> uh, one of the more popular parts of the show was the Boyata Index, uh, where you take some sort of like uh, 
arbitrary figure and use it to, to, to rank players on. It was, uh, of course, John Hartson uh, famously said that Dedrick Boyata would be worth £50 million if anyone wants to try and sign him for Celtic and uh, yet he left Celtic in a free. <laughs> so don't listen to Big Bad John, whatever you do. Now, bearing that in mind, you're going to talk about a couple of players I've not been asked to contribute here. I've not. You were on the... They said in the group chat. No, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, pick a Stennis Muir player. <laughs> Don't, no, I'm kidding. On. Well, uh, we'll just take a player each. Well, because I've, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got a player in mind. Uh, okay. We'll start yourself, Joe. Who are you going to put in the McBurney index? I am going to put Sam Foley of St Mirren. Okay. In the McBurney uh, index. I should have said we can edit this and bring this back in. If, if, <laughs> if Ollie McBurney is worth twenty million pounds, yes. how much is Joel Foley worth? Sam, <laughs> <laughs> said Joel Foley. Right, we'll need to do this again. <laughs> if Ollie McBurney is worth twenty million pounds, how worth is Sam Foley worth? <laughs> you know, I just said I've that. done it again, haven't I? How no, much is? You said how worth is Sam Foley worth? <laughs> really? I thought his name was Joel Foley for a second. I thought, no, he's Joel. What an absolute disaster! How much is Sam Foley worth? Right, talk about Sam. Fight, fight, just talk about Sam Foley. What's he? What's he good at? What's he bad at? How, then we'll talk about how much he's worth. Oh, I'm never getting bashed back on here. When I heard Fraser Clark's performance, I thought that's it for me. <laughs> is that where I'm getting under pressure? I'm under pressure. I'm getting a sweat. You're like Nicola Cattage when Sam Morrill started playing. You just felt the bits after that. Ah, oh, this isn't. This, this isn't. It's going to be put on the phone to Andy Mass, like. Uh, I'm sure of this. Of course, he's, everyone listening at home knows who Andy Mass is. Um, anyway, let's talk about Sam Foley, Joe. Okay, he is a summer signing from Northampton Town. Oh, they paid money for him, didn't they? Uh, no, they paid an undisclosed yeah, fee for him. Yeah, oh, right, okay, a nominal fee, okay. Uh, there you go, keep him right. With Joel Foley. <laughs> <laughs> when he arrived I saw a few comments about him online which didn't paint him in a great light it just seemed like he'd just be a bang average midfielder however watching him and I think he could be to submit him what Alan Power is to Kilmarnock when he came in Jim Goodman said that he complained of right of positions but he earmarked him for the middle he said he was good experienced in midfielder he gives a bit of aggression good energy and very tidy footballer and that's that. That's what he is. That's what he's shown that. I saw him in the opening game of the, uh, the opening day of the season against Hibs, and I was mildly impressed. It was hard to be overly impressed with uh, St Mirren just because they were. It was. They were still Jim Goodwin was still putting his squad together, still assembling it, and although this was at Hibs, they just put in a, a very assured kind of defensive performance, even if they got, even if they did get beat. However, it was excellent against Aberdeen. You can already see that under Jim Goodwin, St Mirren players want to play for him. They are buying into his ideas. They are, as expected of Goodwin, I'm not sure you might correct me in terms of his uh, Alawa team, but this admitting team very much epitomise or embody Goodwin as a player. They're very aggressive. They're combative. They're, 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 they're quite direct. And there's a real willingness and aggression to um, throughout the side. They will com- they'll compete and they'll make it very difficult as they've shown against Hibs, as they did against Aberdeen. They won and they made it very difficult for Rangers. Yeah. In that regard, Foley kind of sets the tempo. He partners Ryan, uh, Ryan Flint in the centre midfield. It's usually a kind of 4 4 1 1. And he's combative, as I mentioned, but his stamina is at a very high level. He scurries about the park, he closes players down, he gets, player- gets in their faces. And a point that I made quite often last season in regards to. Power and Haring and a couple others is that 
he is very good at picking up, or picking up on those loose balls and second balls that are so important in, in Scottish football. And he has, uh, it's, but it's not just that. He's not flashy, but when he gets on the ball, you feel confident he's maybe not going to do something, but he's going to keep it. He's going to keep it safe. So I saw a Sean, a Sean McGuigan phrase is an next person who touches that ball be a St. Mirren player. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and kudos in the Fife accent <laughs> or the Fife noise. <laughs> so, um, if if Ollie McBurney is worth twenty million pounds, how much is Sam Sam Foley worth? Sam Foley, yep. I'm Joel. You're Joel. So how much is Sam Foley <laughs> worth? <laughs> I am going to give him the price tag of three million pounds. What do you think about that? Is that is that a fair assessment? I thought you thought it was good. <laughs> yeah, but just just in relation to all the Okay, about. so you don't think he's anywhere near as good as Ollie McBurney? He's almost no. one seventh of Ollie McBurney. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's sounds oh. a bit rubbish to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's thirty million. <laughs> that way, <laughs> yes. You didn't have to go that high. I was just like, it would be six or something. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go for Christoph Berra. Oh my goodness! How, uh, he is—he's not getting six million pounds. Yeah, yeah, have, have you ever read Animal Farm? Yes, I have. Uh, you yes. know Boxer Hot the horse. Yes, I remember how, how he helps build the farm. Yes. Uh, you know, and they're all grateful for the work he does. But when he fulfills his use, they send him to the glue factory. Yes, are we seeing parallels here between Boxer the horse and Christoph Berra? Yeah, well, but unlike the um, the pigs that were in charge of the the farm, uh, I don't think uh, the. People in charge of Tynecastle will do the right thing and send him off to the glue factory. I think he's going to continue playing, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Perhaps even as soon as this weekend, because John Suter has been out injured, which has been pretty uh, handy for Craig Levine. I think he's he's Craig Halkett's been so good so far this season. John Suter's obviously the best centre half at the club. So you saw that in the Betfred Cup, the Levine kind of rotated, rotated, but then it came to. It came to Aberdeen and he played a three, three, but I think he kind of had to do that because he was limited in the attacking options. Connor Washington was only wasn't quite fully fit, and neither was Stephen Naismith, so he kind of could get away with it because he needed he could only really play Uchi and needed to, you know, get a couple of wide players closer to him. So play a three four three, uh, even though it didn't really work because it never does. Um, but now he's been playing with back four. It's been Halkett and Berra. Now Suter's coming back. It should take out Berra, and it should be Halkett and Suter. But Berra's the captain, and I'm not sure he is going to drop him because he's not shown any sign that he's going to drop him. But he should because Berra is he's definitely he's, past his Just nothing you say. He's the captain, so you can't drop him. No, no. Is the captain say is captaincy a thing we overrate in this country? Yeah, probably. And yeah, and, think, and also at hearts because he's not really the captain because when Stevie Mate Naismith's on the pitch, yeah. he's the captain, yes. and he's usually either one. So Stevie and Naismith is he's, he's very moany and talkative, but. There's one player more than any that's the target of his wrath, and you think, oh, maybe a winger or a, a foreign player. It's Christoph Berra. <laughs> you just get sick of him punting up the park all the time, which is seems to be worse than doing when he was younger. You think when you're older, you get a bit more composure on the, on the ball. You know, might want to pick out a teammate. No, he's, he's worse than he was when he was twenty. Berra, I, I had hopes that he would be back to something approaching his best. Last, getting there towards the end of yeah, last season. Yeah, last season he played really well against Hibs. Uh, I don't think he disgraced himself at all in the cup final. But so far this season, I think he's had one good performance against Motherwell. He didn't even look entirely assured in the Betfred Cup. He's 
been poor in the, the other league. Ma- he's been poor in the league matches. He saw against Celtic at the weekend. The own goal he scored. Yes, yes. Then um, Joe Pereira probably should have done better as well. But when he first arrived that first season, better's no chance being as hesitant as he was at dealing with that. He just would have muscled Bio out the way and cleared it. And I mean, you can you can understand that he's he's maybe lost a bit of pace, but you know he never really had much agility to begin with. But you can maybe understand he's maybe got even worse because of his hamstring injury. But it seems to have robbed him of, of a lot more than that. He just looks, for the most part, a shell of, of the player that oh, was, was so excellent, excellent in his first season. He's, back. he's like a, it's almost like a, a boxer who has is kind of on his on his last legs, and rather than being going out and kind of confronting his opponent, it would just get close and do that cuddling thing that boxers clinch, clinch. Yeah. So Christoph Berra. Like that, you brought in a boxing metaphor. He was nothing about boxing. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about anything. <laughs> if you do boxing training, so he's probably heard some phrases. Not clinch. I'm not heard clinch. Ah, if you do, I mean, if you do boxing training, I mean, presumably you're not going to fight anyone. <laughs> Absolutely not. Aye. The shite back. Ah, so it'll just be all like the the training itself is excellent. Boxing training, you you can get very very fit by by doing punching it. Huh? Yeah, the guy's pads. Right. Cool. Yeah. Boom boom. And your pass. I was wondering if it was just like uh, skipping open stuff, cardio stuff. Nah. Okay. Uh, Christoph Berra's worth a bag of balls. Wow, that's uh, and a skipping rope. <laughs> no, 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 the skipping rope. That's uh, Peter Haring's hairband and Christoph Berra for 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 that. That's that's a real shame. So that's well, it's, I mean, it's still time, but it's not looking good. Nah, he's he's t- time is time. <laughs> no, wait, he said as if he's, he's, uh, he's like a dog. And he's nah, <laughs> no, that's he's he's, he's, a, he's an intensive care. He was he was battered by Joel at the weekend. Joel, Joel put his boxing training to be just battered, and the doctors are saying there's still time, but it's not looking good. To get the kidney transplant in. Um, the player I'm going to rate in the McBurney Index is Declan Glass, who is co-Rangers superstar midfielder. I'll keep it brief because I know time is marching inexorably on. Um, Declan Glass is on loan from Dundee United. He'd spent the latter part of the previous season on loan at Airdrieonians. He'd done reasonably well there um, in, in Ian Murray's side. And I always think if you're a loan player... There's stages to your development. If you're going to go on loan at in successive clubs, you always want to be working up the way. So instead, if you're going to Airdrieonians, the next step would be like into the championship with uh, Al Athletic, then maybe to Dunfermline before you go into the Dundee United team. So you're making progressions, teams with different expectations, different levels of football, you're working your way up. So I was surprised to see him go to Cove Rangers. However, as we've discussed numerous times on this podcast, Paul Hartley's connections and, and particularly working with young players, that's something that Hartley's very good at. You can say what you like about him as a Falkirk manager, you can talk about his his time at the tail end of Dundee but his weight uh, and his weight and his gen- general appearance and odour uh, <laughs> you, can, you can say what you like about that however his record in the, the, the basement division is, is exemplary Paul Hartley seems to have given him a bit of a wouldn't say so much of a free role in, in the middle of the park because I don't necessarily think you can have such a thing at this level but he, he's playing in Cove Rangers middle of the park and he's just from what I've seen of him and this is going back to, to seeing him uh, at Erdionians uh, last year. Very confident player. I think we, we, what you want to see from young guys, what you want to see, what you like seeing from young players is guys who come into the middle of the park and they've got bags of personality. Guys who, who want to get in the ball. Guys who demand the ball. Guys who want to get the ball and want to take it forward. And, and, and he's very, very good at doing that. He's driving things forward for Cove Rangers. 
on top of that, he's got a, a rasper of a shot. He scored a fantastic goal against uh, Edinburgh City. Scored a very good goal against Albion Rovers. Um, both when, he, when he's cut inside and, and let fly with with his left foot. Good at playing off both feet as well. And I'm sure he must be a shoo-in for the, the League 2 Player of the Month that, that's, that, that's, that's coming up. I think it's a guy who's got a, a, a big future in the game. I was going to ask you, do you see him... But you talked about like the different levels you go mm-hmm. as, as a loan spell before going into the Dundee United team. Do you see his ability in League Two as being able to make that step straight into Dundee United? Obviously, it might be different because it's going to be they could be a Premiership team next season. I think what what will be interesting about this is the expectations for Cove Rangers are to win this division. So, what's good for Declan Glass is he will be in a team where you, the, the onus is them to go on dominate games and win. When he returns to Dundee United, I think Dundee United will still be in the Championship next okay. season. I think Dundee United is perpetually going to be in the Championship. It goes back to that Simpsons FPFL, you know, the graphic with Dundee, the year's 2032, here's Dundee United still in the Championship. And it's an adult Bart Simpson sitting in the class. That, for me, is what Dundee United are going to be like. Um, and... You know that Gary Cocker is just stroking his penis at the moment. <laughs> He's not even listening to the podcast. <laughs> He's just doing that anyway. What a bitch. Come yeah. on, man. Play the game. Aye. Uh, I, I, I don't know, because I'll be honest and say, I don't know enough about Dundee United. I'm sort of thinking about sort of like as, uh, the expectations for... You used to still think about Gary Cocker, aren't you? <laughs> He's just sitting there. His face is all in bright red and he's grinning. Uh. <laughs> Nevertheless, away, away, uh, nevertheless um, going, back, going by what I've seen so far and using Ollie McBurney's ranking of £20 million, I'm going for £6 million for Declan Glass. Mm. Now he's a, a, a cracking wee player. Now, um, that's, that's a, is this us? That's a picture. Oh, right, very good. Uh, well, um, that's good. That's, uh, that's a good solid podcast. Just more than 50 minutes of piping hot content and some particularly disgusting stuff relating to... <laughs> Gary Cocker and his genitals so we're sorry about that if you've seen what Gary Cocker looks like that's actually an even worse image um, nevertheless I want to thank everyone for listening there's more though because of course we've got the, the Patreon um, that's where you can subscribe for bonus podcasts there is an ocean of content in there um, you can subscribe for as little as $2 a month there's uh, different tiers $2 right, $5 not text is still for there the worst thing is that works better because the alliteration that works better because alliteration aye Texas Telfer um, yeah so there's diff- different levels $2, $5, $7 um, so, so get involved there's some great stuff and we're going to be telling you what to watch up next again stolen from a view from the terrace but that's that's not coming back it's is not it? coming back it's not coming back Tony's in Bulgaria right and uh, fans of the show didn't like it not just fans of the show that didn't like it <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, so, I, like I say, thank you very much for listening. That was a, that was a bit of a grab bag podcast. There's, was, was, there's no rhyme or reason no, to it. But but so I think that was the, the tennis podcast in a nutshell. This is how we do. It's a bit of Badil syndrome, a bit of the Terminator, a bit of Friends, a bit of Hot Shots Part 2, mm-hmm. and a, a little bit of football analysis thrown in there. Yep. So, Fowler the Prowler, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Joel Sked, thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, I've been Craig Telfer. Thank you very much for tuning in. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.